and welcome to episode two of the Young Money Podcast. I'm JP. And I'm Adrian. And today we've got our first guest, Noreen. Um, Hello. Noreen, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, I guess. Um, I'm Noreen, as JP stated. Uh, I'm Adrian's girlfriend. <laughs> um, I don't know what else. What are your like biggest my- strengths and weaknesses? No, excuse me. <laughs> so today we'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll be running through some of the questions that we touched on episode one and uh, we'll get to know Noreen and we'll get to know a little bit about like how she views money, how she, you know, handles her finances and hopefully be able to impart on our listeners some of um, Noreen's sort of uh, life lessons in order for our listeners to learn a little bit about, you know, what's normal, what's abnormal with money and try to see, you know, how the conversation goes from there, I guess. Sounds good. Cool. Um, okay. So do you want to just dive right into it, Adrian? Um, how, how were your parents with, uh, with money growing up, Noreen? Like how, how did you see money growing up and like, what was your kind of first memory of, of money when you grew up? I actually have like a very, uh, vivid memory of money. Um, I grew up with mostly just my mom for most of my life, and I actually don't really ever rem- remember, like, money being a thing. I don't know if that makes any sense. It was more just, like, um, I never actually, like, we never discussed money. I mean, I was quite young, to be fair, but, like, money was never a conversation. My mom just handled all of that, and, like, suddenly, we whatever we wanted, like, we had. But it wasn't until, like, uh, my mom had a friend who was, like, this old guy. He didn't have, like, a wife or a family. And whenever I see him, this this sounds like a bit of, like, a dick thing to say for eight-year-old me. But um, I would always tell him, hey, I hope one day you you get married and have a family and stuff. And I guess he, like, thought it was a nice thing. That's not a dick thing to say. That's a a nice (laughs) way. Yeah, and so one day he actually, like, uh, got engaged, and then he came over to our house, and he gave me 20 bucks, and he was like, thank you for always, you know, telling me I hope I get married, because it finally happened. <laughs> you were responsible for, for his marriage. So <laughs> me and my sister we went to the corner store, and, you know, we just, I was, like, probably, like, seven or eight, so we just spent it all on candy, but uh, near the end, when I had, like, $10 left, my mom was like, oh don't spend it all on candy like let's go to the store and buy you a shirt and that was like the first thing I ever like bought for myself it was like a blue unicorn shirt from Walmart or something but, <laughs> nice. but that was like one of the first things I ever bought for myself and <laughs> that was like, probably like the earliest memory I have with money cool so from from that point on you're like if i give relationship advice to people they'll give me money (laughs) and uh, here i am now a relationship guru (laughs) you know check me out on the side but yeah it was pretty i mean now that i think about it i don't know why i told this random old man like i hope he gets married or something like such a weird thing to say to someone (laughs) that's so funny did that did that pardon go ahead go ahead yeah for most of my life uh it wasn't until like uh when uh my parents got back together and they had my little sister that I actually like would I mean I was obviously getting older but that's when I would like clue into conversations about money and stuff but even till then it was still very like my parents like raised us very sheltered they didn't really like you know let us in on their problems or anything like that so even 
I mean, now that I'm older, I know growing up, like, when it was just my mom, obviously, we weren't as, like, well off as we were when it was both of my parents, just because it was only one income. But even then, I always remember, like, a pretty good childhood. Like, whatever, I mean, my little, my older sister wanted, like, pretty much got all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty, like, yeah, the, the sort of financial situation of your family didn't really ever kind of permeate to you. You're, you're pretty sheltered from that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I was older that I realized that, like, when it was just my mom, she was, like, struggling because she was working, she was in school, and she had, like, two kids. So, but growing up, I never really saw any of that. It was mostly just, like, putting pieces together when I got older, and I'm like, oh, okay, this happened because of that. That makes sense now. When was that first moment when you're, like, when you came to the realization of the financial struggles that your mom had? When was that, and, like, how how was that? I think it was more like partway through high school, I want to say, only because that's when, you know, you're thinking about university, you're thinking about, um, you know, paying for university and stuff. And for my entire life, my mom was like my sole provider. And then all of a sudden, like, I think in grade eight is when my dad moved back in with us. Like I had two people able to give me money. And so that's when I started like cluing in like, hey, I have twice the wealth now. So that Mm -hmm. means like my family probably has twice the wealth now. And like, but I mean, it was always, my mom has never been like an open person with money, even though my dad is like completely open anyways. So I think if I was raised with both my dad and my mom, I probably would have had like a different view because my dad's always very open. Whereas like my mom, you won't know if she's struggling or not. She always just seems fine. Keeps it to herself. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm. So I still don't even know, like, the extent of, like, you know, what was going All I know is that, like, I was fed and I was happy. I played sports mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. So, like, moving forward when you maybe had a more, you know, maybe high school more, you had a, a grasp on, like, um, you know, that money is a thing. You need money to buy whatever you want mm-hmm. or need, right? Um, at that point, did you, like, start working? Or, like, what's your... Um, I didn't start working until uh, summer of grade 11, near the end. And that was because I realized, like, money comes freedom. So I was like, I want to do a lot more stuff, which means I don't have to ask my parents for money all the time. So if I have my own money, then, like... I'm closer to like, you know, having a sense of independency and freedom. And so that's why I wanted a job. But um, my parents are really hard about me getting a job in the first place because um, I played field hockey. So that was like kind of hard to manage. And then I was in school, in high school. But then um, so combined the two things, it was kind of hard to manage my time. I got burnt out a lot. So my parents were like, you need to stop working. But I was like, I kind of like working. I like the money and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah I didn't work until like quite late grade 11 so I'm okay. grade 11 is pretty much grade 12 mm-hmm. it was like end of August when I got my first job no I think that's like rather average yeah I think. yeah I mean I wanted well, to work uh, during the earlier years but like my parents were just like no. what did you what did you spend your money on like when you were in in like grade 11 grade 12 like 
was that money spent on things that you needed or was it just like, oh, I can get this new like thing that I want right now? It was right more now. just things that I wanted myself. Like I didn't like asking my parents. I've always had like quite of an expensive taste for things. <laughs> so I didn't feel comfortable asking my parents to like buy me like a $250 pair of shoes, you know, like. Damn, okay. I do for myself. Okay. So yeah, that was, I don't know why. I just uh, didn't feel comfortable doing it. So that's what kind of drove me to get a job and I have an older sister and so seeing her you know she got to buy all these like nice things for herself with her like money from her part-time job when she was in school kind of like made me want to do it even more yeah that makes sense yeah is there anything that like that was I guess money related that you thought was um normal for the longest time but then you realized it was it was a bit weird I don't know I mean, like, maybe I, I wasn't really comfortable talking about money for a very long time because I just didn't know what to talk about. You know, I had, I didn't really, when people would ask me, like, oh, you know, are you from, like, a middle-class family? I wouldn't really know how to answer because I, you know, did not know. So that was one thing that always kind of just weirded me out. I didn't really know where I stood in terms of, like, social classes and stuff, where my family stood. Yeah, do you do you think that that's because of the fact that like people just don't talk about it, or you never really spent that much time thinking about it? I think it's definitely else? because like, especially um, you know, my my parents aren't uh, uh, well, my mom for sure isn't uh Canadian. She wasn't really uh, raised or brought up in any kind of like Western society, so this was all like quite new to her and stuff and I guess in her culture they're a lot more private about things like these whereas my mm. dad he pretty much grew up in Australia so for him it was like very different money wasn't such a secret thing yeah, yeah from from your sense. experience do you think that like do you identify with like I don't know like do you think that it's better to talk about it or do you think that there's some benefits to not talking about it like what's your view on just like generally talking I think about you definitely money? talk about it you know yeah because the more I think in in my experience the more you try to like deny your certain financial state is the more trouble you could potentially get into you know so you got to come to like to terms and to realization with like where you're at financially you need to be open and willing to like talk about it because I feel like if not you could run into some kind of trouble mm. yeah not even from like um like um you know like an advisor not not in that kind of way but mm -hmm. like more of a just socially yeah even way, just though. socially i think you learn a lot of things by like even from other people from other right? people your friends people in your life with dealing with money i think you could like learn a, a lot i didn't start realizing that like I've, i mean i saved in high school uh i saved like quite a decent amount of money my second job actually paid like really 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 well i don't know how i managed to get that job but at the time this was uh, three years ago, and I was getting paid uh, almost $17 an hour. And so for that time, like minimum wage was still only like $11 or something. So and I worked full time mm. over the summer. So I was and you know, I'm not paying rent. I'm like 18. And mm. stuff. So I was able to save a lot of money throughout high school. But then uh, university like first year came around and I was realized I was like, actually pretty shit with money. 
<laughs> and it wasn't until like I met my friends and we kind of encouraged each other because it's like, you know, our parents aren't here 24-7. So it was more so like we, cur- we encouraged each other, each other to actually be like, hey, maybe you shouldn't buy that because yesterday you told me you have no money. yeah and so that kind of like worked in our favor you were I feel like you know you were probably in the um lucky minority of people that like positively reinforced each other for positive financial habits because I feel like the reverse can also happen where you surround yourself with people that are just like oh yeah you should buy that thing that you don't need that's super expensive like I just did that last week like I feel like you're probably lucky that you were surrounded with people that were like, no, you shouldn't do that because you're broke. <laughs> you you can't have friends who tell you, um, you know, that dress looks good on you when it really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had kind of um, like my core friend group, the ones that I'm still like really close to now that we I formed in first year. Uh in that group itself, there was like different kind of friends. There was friends who were like, you know what, you need to treat yourself. And there was friends who were like, maybe we need to, you know, take a step back and see, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you have the money for this. And then I had like other groups of friends, like some of my friends from high school where, you know, they would spend every single weekend going out, uh, partying all the time. So I had to find like the medium between, you know, am I going to spend all my money with these guys or am I going to like, stay home one weekend with these guys yeah i feel like the treat yourself kind of friend group is one to avoid when you're trying to be financially frugal <laughs> yeah for sure especially <laughs> like, uh, when i think in my friend group we have a lot of like different backgrounds especially like financially so you have people who never really had to worry about money you have people who always had to worry about money you had people who you know, in the middle and stuff like that. So even then, I think in my friend group, it's just so diverse that like not everyone really can give you the right advice because you're probably going to someone who hasn't experienced what you're experiencing. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm from Mississauga. You're from Toronto. Like, do you think that that um, kind of mosaic of financial backgrounds comes from where you came from? Because for me, like I, I experienced a lot of people that, you know, grew up from tougher um, sort of upbringings and then people that also had like elevators in their house. Like it was just super varied. Do you think that you owe that perspective to your upbringing somewhat or I is think, it just like your own sort of perspective that you had? No, I think my, like my, especially my high school had definitely, like I didn't realize that like people could be rich until I got to high school because my elementary school, uh, it was a very big school, but I was in the French program. So I only knew 12 kids my entire, like, elementary career. We were in the same class every single year from kindergarten until grade eight. But then, you know, going into high school, I went to a really big high school, and I was just like, oh, wait, you know, some of these kids are, like, filthy rich. Yeah. And so I didn't really understand, like, class until I got to high school where I was like, okay, you know, my high school was in, like, a relatively rich neighborhood, so those kids who lived in the neighborhood were like, you know, a bit more well off than the kids who, you know, came from a little bit further. Like I came from uh, downtown. Uh, I only went to that school because it was a French school and I was allowed to. Mm -hmm. So I think it was like my high school for sure that like I saw like so many 
different sides of the spectrum. Like you saw kids who, you know, had like $2 million homes and then you had kids who lived in, you know, rougher areas of Toronto. So like that was one of like the big eye openers for me. It was definitely high school. Yeah. Yeah. I think growing up from growing up in an environment where you see like all these varied backgrounds helps a lot to try and like give you a bit more perspective, I guess. Um, would you say you're overall, like, do you think you're more splurgy or stingy with, with your money? Um, I think it can go both ways, really. I have, uh, I have, uh, I'm very impulsive, especially when, like, I think I, when people talk about retail therapy, they're talking about me because (laughs) when I've had a bad day or when I'm sad, like, all I want to do is just shop. You know, and so I make a lot of impulse decisions. I mean, less so over the time now that I've I've gotten older and have, you know, having to deal with like paying my own bills and stuff like that. I'm definitely not as impulsive as I once was, but that's still something uh, I got to work on a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were just shopping before this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> before this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was actually. Uh. Especially whenever like, I see sales. That's just, that's how people get me, you know, yeah. I'm probably like, you know, the, what the marketing agencies are looking for exactly. They're mm-hmm. marketing towards me. I'm the type of person that like falls for all those like 50% off gimmicks and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely an on sale guy too. Like, yeah. Every single time I go to a website, I check like the clearance. Um, it's just really, I don't know. I just feel like, I'm saving while I'm, it just makes you feel like you're actually being responsible, even though I'm probably not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going to the sales, the clearances, that always feels nice. Yeah. But I feel it's, it's always clothes that I'm impulsive on. It's never like food or something that I'll actually need. It's more so, you know, I'm at to this point now where I'm cleaning out my room to move and I have so many clothes that I probably wore once or twice that. I don't really want anymore, so I'm gonna have to donate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I feel like women are particularly vulnerable to the whole like I don't know buying clothes for a specific occasion, whereas men will typically yeah, just be like uh, I'll make this piece of clothing fit for this occasion, whereas <laughs> a girl will be like No, no, I have to buy this thing for this occasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, now I've I've always kind of hated that, but even more so now. Like, I went to um a wedding in February, and I had to buy, and it was my cousin's wedding, and I was part of the bridal party. I had to buy, uh, you know, bridesmaid dress and stuff like all that. And, you know, I left that dress in England because where am I ever going to wear it ever again? And that's just, like, just money I'll just never get back. Yeah. Whenever, whenever there's like a two for one sale, I always look at it as like, even though it looks like a two for one sale, what it actually should be is like, we're trying to get you to buy another thing that you don't need. So really, <laughs> so really there's like, you're going to buy two things when really you only need one and both things will be only like three quarters of the price rather than like buy one, <laughs> get one free. That's I, I, I even though obviously like, emotionally i don't think of that cognitively i try to remind myself of the fact that two-for-one sales are really doing that, that sense. <laughs> yeah i fall for those quite easily <laughs> like, well, it's 
something is free, sign me up. <laughs> On that note, Noreen, um, can you think of a couple of like the dumbest things that you ever bought? Like something that you like maybe bought and never used? Maybe... I mean, tons of things. Like my closet <laughs> is like a really good example. <laughs> my closet is a good example of things that I buy and don't end up wearing again. You know, and it's always like I buy something, especially online. Like I have a online is like the addiction I need to kick the most because, you know, I don't have to leave my house and then I make the purchase and I feel good for a couple of days and then something comes through the mail. It doesn't fit anymore. And I'm like, I'll return it. And then the 30 days runs out and then I can't return it. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll sell it. And then I just never getting around to selling it. And then, yeah, that's like two, would, two cases right now in my room. What would you say is your, like your ratio of like um, shopping online versus shopping like in the store um probably like 70 to 30 i hate going Damn. to the store why uh, why do you wait so long to return it if you know it like doesn't fit you i don't know i just not to grill you but i'm just curious <laughs> yeah i honestly i i wish i knew it's more just like i kind of get just get lost in you know my schedule whatever i'm doing or because i hate going to the mall you have to return it. Like, I don't want to pay to send them back something I bought. So I'm like, I'll return it in person. And then I just never get around. I mean, I will, I will say if it's something that's like very expensive, I will make sure that I return it and get my money back. But if it's, yeah. Like, yeah. Do you make sure that you know the store's policy on returns before you buy something online? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean like a lot of the stuff, you know, buying online, like just now when I was like kind of like window shopping, a lot of the stuff that I wanted was like final sale. So that makes me a little bit wary. I'm like, if I don't like this, I can't return it. Do I really need this right now? You know? I've never heard of final sale online. That just sounds Oh really? really <laughs> yeah, that happens. I mean, it happens a lot with uh final sale. A lot of the times it's like, you know, uh the season of clothing is ending and they just really need to get rid of them so you can't bring it back for like your money or something some right, stores right. will give you like a store credit if you return it but they don't give you like your own cash you still have to like spend the money the money there yeah it's kind of a scam yeah i think sometimes uh i like buy way too much food too and not like food that i can cook but a lot of takeout mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. you know living with my roommates i don't think we really help each other in that aspect we're always like you know when someone's ordering food they always like they think they're doing the polite thing by asking the rest of us if we want to jump on an order too but a lot of the times it actually hurts us because you know i'm very weak-minded i'm I'm of course going to say yes and so (laughs) yeah yeah, it takes a lot of it takes a lot out of me to be like you know what no i don't want that tonight yeah i mean i think i think like um takeout is something takeout and like um actually going to restaurants is something that um a lot of people have like actually a decent amount of money going to her mm-hmm. and i don't necessarily i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing i just think that like you know people do kind of need to moderate and i'm also i i just want to uh, preach a little bit i think everyone should learn how to cook like semi yeah. good yeah. Or, like, at least a couple, like, things good, you know? Because, yep. um, first of all, it is, like, cheaper. People don't think it's cheaper. Or, oh, like, cooking is so much cheaper. 
it, it, it really is cheaper and, uh, you know. And the thing is, is, like, I didn't, like, my parents rarely ever, like, bought takeout, you know. There was always someone cooking at home. I didn't mm-hmm. start uh, buying food out until I moved out on my own strictly because of convenience, you know. Like, yeah. maybe it goes down to, like, my time management skills are bad. You know, I didn't have enough time to go to the grocery store. I don't have enough time to actually cook a meal. So takeout is, like, a really convenient option. Yeah. And the thing is, is, like, I used to really enjoy cooking, too. And yeah. now it's, like, I kind of see it as a chore that I really don't want to do, even though, like, I need to if I want to live. <laughs> I feel like inherently, like, when you have roommates and you might not have a kitchen that's that nice to cook in, those two things make it so much harder to cook because yeah, a you think whatever I cook you know might be eaten by my roommates or you know my roommates also trying to eat so like I don't want to take up all the kitchen and then if you have an like a, a kitchen that doesn't lend itself well to like actually cooking in you don't really want to do it because it's like a it's an unpleasant experience so if, no for yeah. sure I live you, with uh sorry go ahead go ahead <laughs> Yeah, I live with, um, there's five of us total, and our kitchen can probably fit, like, 1.5 people, so <laughs> yeah. one person is trying to cook at a time, it's really annoying, and then it factors into, like, people didn't wash their pots, so now you have to wash the pots in order to cook your meal. Oh, and yeah. So, it's really annoying. Yep, tough, and then, like... really what should happen, and I know that this will, like, never happen in a realistic scenario, is that, like, everybody pitches in on food, and then everybody, you know, eats the food that is prepared on, a like, a cyclical level, but, like, nobody, it's so hard to actually coordinate that with roommates, with that, have you know, all of their individual lives. Yeah, I mean, um, with all the thing that's happening, there's only three of us in my apartment right now, and that's actually been, like, really really easy to manage when we go grocery shopping we uh you know we're fortunate enough to be able to like stock up for two weeks so uh a little more room yeah and we have tons of room now that there's not like you know three other people with us so we're actually like coordinating our meals we're making one person is taking turns making dinner every night so we're not ordering food all the time and it's like actually works. Keeps for the place us. more tidy. Too. Yeah, the place is a lot cleaner too because you know we're cleaning up after ourselves. It's more like a joint effort. So if you're eating the meal that's being cooked, you're more likely to want to help clean up. And so the three of us, we found it really, really easy to actually like live the past, you know, four weeks that everyone else has been gone. Yeah. How did your like? I guess I'm assuming with COVID nineteen, like your your other roommates, like I guess went to their went back to their hometowns or. Yeah, they uh, went home to their parents. Uh, one of them actually uh, went home to her boyfriend's parents, and then we're all moving out in April. end of April is when our lease ends, so then uh, everyone's just kind of, like, separating after that. But the three of us were like, there's no point in going home. We'll just stay here. Right. How did how did everything, you know, with COVID-19, like, impact you personally? Um, I mean, well, for one thing is, like, you know, I managed a coffee shop, so that closed down, which meant uh, I didn't have a job anymore. And I, I don't think that was, like, really the issue with me. The issue was more just, like, not being able to do anything. You know, I would, I'd still wake up today, and then I have nothing to do, watch some Netflix, eat, go to bed, and then it's the same thing over and over again. Like, that's the, the thing that has gotten to me. Like, again, I'm quite fortunate where uh, even if it wasn't for, like, the government 
you know, giving us money every month, I still would have been fine. It's just more like my sanity. Yeah. How, like, like tell us a little bit about that. Like, how, how have you tried to sort of manage a bit of a sense of, like, order or, you know, organization into your life despite everything that's going on? I think, um, I mean, me and my roommates, we go for walks. A lot of the time it's the convenience store, but even then, like, yeah, it's still better than nothing. Uh, I bike to Adrian's sometimes. That's, like, both exercise and then socializing afterwards. But, I mean... If I'm, like, honest, I I haven't really been doing, like, anything different. The only thing is, like, I just don't have anything to do all the time. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just really – I mean, I'm really surprised how fast the days are going, even though, like, day in, day out, you know, I'm not really doing anything substantial. It's more just, like, you know, on the surface and stuff. But, yeah, it's been, it's been weird. How is uh, working for home for you guys? Go ahead, Adrian. Honestly, I love it. This is literally my dream. I only have to like talk to people over the phone. Yeah. Which I'm like kinda okay at. As soon as I talk to someone like eye to eye, I'm just like, oh God. They're looking at me. They're looking at me. So so yeah, I, I've like um I've really enjoyed working from home and like being able to um cut out like my uh commute. To and yeah, from work. that's huge. I, I bus to work. It takes about an hour, um, a, an hour there, an hour back. So, um, you know, that's an extra two hours every day that, um, you know, I could be doing other stuff. So that aspect is really nice. And also, um, it's it's nice and silent here. You know, like um, sometimes uh, my roommate Brandon will be playing uh, guitar, and that's actually really nice. And I'll just like you know, listen to him play guitar and, and do my, do my shit. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it's honestly helped me a little bit in productivity as well. Do you I mean, think it gives that... you more time to slack off, but it also gives you more time to, to work for sure. What yeah. Like, you, I think, I think for me, I've enjoyed it, but my, my job, um, particularly is like, sometimes it's very collaboration intensive and what I mean by that is sometimes a quick conversation that I would have had by just like you know, literally standing up and just talking to someone across from me has now become like a Slack message that I then have to wait to get a response. And then, or maybe it, you know, snowballs into a meeting. And, and so parts of my job have gotten a bit more, um, I guess, more uh, convoluted than they were, but then also parts of my job have become faster because I'm, I'm able to like actually get into like, sort of like a deep work mindset where I can just like focus on something for an hour without any interruptions. So I think overall it sort of cancels itself out, to be honest, like the pros outweigh the cons mostly, but sometimes it's pretty much the same, but yeah. yeah. And, and, and like my, my commute was, was pretty small for me anyways. Cause like it just, it was kind of nice to drive to and from work sometimes, but yeah, like I think overall it's slightly positive, but but not too much different. Do you yeah. think that, do you think that um, office work will be like, do you think that like a company like yours will just like cancel their leases and just um, like tell everybody to work from home given that, you know, everybody can work just as efficiently, but from home. Uh, do you think like someday or like just for you, like, do you think that your management or whatever will see 
you're like, oh, actually, like everybody can work from home just as well. Um, your company already has that. One of my friend's dad works at the same company as Adrian. And yeah. He like work, works. Well, they do. Time. So what I was gonna say, and, and yeah, that's exactly mirroring my thoughts. I'm just a little bit slow at processing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we have yeah, we have like designated people who work from home, and they only come in sometimes one one day a week or whatever, and uh, the rest of the time they work completely remotely. And there's some people who actually, I know we have a few customer service reps who. Uh, work completely remotely like they never come in almost so Hmm. i think that to answer your question no i don't think it'll be going completely remote anytime soon but i do think that um, they're going to start expanding their remote um you know team basically because you know we already outsource some customer service to uh to india and stuff like that and you know um it just makes sense um to work remotely, you don't have to have as big of a building, and you know that cuts costs and stuff. Yeah, and and there's programs now that can track like everything you do on a computer. So if you're a customer service uh, representative and you're sitting at home working from home, they can still because it's a company computer, they can track every single mouse click you do, and you you actually have to log in this program like what you did in these time. Whoa. That's weird. That's yeah. like that's a little invasive. I feel like. I mean, it's pretty invasive, but it's customer service. It's like the worst. <laughs> it, yeah. Honestly, like it's such a hard job that's underpaid and underappreciated. That's yeah. what it is. Yep. I agree. To to go back to like our our sort of we're trying to to our thousands of listeners out there we're trying to keep you know, uh, adhere into some sort of like template of questions, I guess. So, um, Noreen, have you ever been, you know, scammed or, or taken advantage of financially? Like, have you ever done something, purchased something that you were like, oh, fuck, I should not have done that? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, and this is actually pretty embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> I have a thing for socks. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think Instagram and Google have picked up on this because I'm always looking at socks online. And I've run into so many websites where they're like, free socks, all you have to do is pay for shipping. And till this day, I have not seen those socks, which is really unfortunate because like some of them have like really cool patterns. But honestly, it's just on me for, you know, believing them. I think it was like three times that I did it. it was, like, different <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> what was I on these socks? <laughs> I was literally about to say, like, you know, no big deal. Like, yeah. you pay for shipping. Is well, like... I'm very trusting. I gotta say that. Because but... there's other stuff where, like, there was one thing. It was, like, um, here's a, a free pair of sunglasses. All you have to do is pay for shipping. And that came. So I was, like, <laughs> what's to say that these things won't come? And the first time it happened, I was, like, okay, maybe it got lost. And, you know, it's probably coming from a very far place. Maybe... It got lost, and the second time, uh, um, I think they sent it to, they told me that they sent it to the wrong address, and I was just like, okay, screw it, it was like 14 bucks, and the third time it didn't come, I was like, maybe I should stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it's been a year since I've been scammed, 
Yeah. Damn. Yeah, having them back. So have you learned your lesson? Has the Instagram algorithm changed where you don't see as many socks or still as many socks? Yeah, I don't see as many socks, but I do get a bunch of other ads that I have given into, but they haven't been scams. <laughs> reminds me, <laughs> Sarah, like my, my girlfriend for the listeners who don't, who don't know, um, Sarah was telling me the other day she found a swimsuit. And I said, like, how did you find the swimsuit? And she was like, this swimsuit found me. Like, she, <laughs> yeah, she was talking about the swimsuit that was on her feed from the algorithms. And, and that's and that's how they get you, folks. <laughs> yeah, I fall for those things like crazy. Uh, they, Instagram gave me an ad for, like, uh, a paint-by-numbers thing. And I bought it. <laughs> it was, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is going to be cool to pass my time during quarantine. It still hasn't come. But <laughs> according to the tracking, it arrived at the Canadian airport, and I don't know. It just said Canada Airport, so I'm quite <laughs> The fact that they called it the Canada Airport is like you know <laughs> yeah. it's a scam. Like there's no such thing as the Canada. Airport. I'm really hoping it's not because I was pretty excited to do some painting. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on to the next question, I guess. What, what, like, what percentage of your financial situation do you feel like you can blame on, like, you and your personal decisions versus the environment that you grew up in and that you're surrounded in? I want to say, like, maybe ninety percent. Ninety percent, which way? Blamed on me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the thing is, is like I'm very self-aware about my really bad spending habits, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes it helps. You know, I talk myself out of doing stuff like this. And then other times it doesn't work. But I mean. I mean, you're not actually, you actually don't have horrible spending habits. Yeah, you didn't know me two years ago, though. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, I think it also just came down to like, you know, I never, like me personally, never had like a large sum of money like attached to my name as a kid. You know, you don't really have money as a kid. And so starting to make, you know, my own money and then starting to make a lot more of my own money, you know, over the summers, I work at a bar, make tons of money and tips. And then I'm just like, this is so much money. I need to spend it all. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I have some sort of itch. To, to but, dig deeper in that, though, like what changed from you today versus you two years ago when you're like, oh, you didn't know me two years ago? Like what, what changed in, in the way that you um, managed your I money? Just, I was definitely very irresponsible with my money um adrian says he changed a little bit but i would agree to disagree because (laughs) um i mean no i mean i think you've helped a little bit but like not by much it's mostly i I think i helped a little bit (laughs) i've been able to pull myself out of these situations and be able to like i mean I, i think adrian helped in ways that he didn't know that he helped you know, like, I do kind of, like, look up to him a little bit in terms of, like, you know, he, especially, like, my sister, too, like, she just finished paying all her student loans and stuff, and that's definitely something, you know, I aspire to, you know, get to at a point, but even just, like, yeah, that's, like, one thing, maybe one way that you've helped, but I think it's more just, like, uh, I do have, like, one friend who I have to give a lot of credit to because, you know, we kind of, like, we're in the same boat with, like, realizing that, like, you know, we need it for kind of, you know, financing ourselves. We need to stop, you know, acting like first year students and like (laughs) think about that, you know, there's 
a long run to look up to. We're going to need to save money and pay rent. We can't, you know, keep living paycheck to paycheck like we did, you know, when, you know, a few years ago. And so it's more just like growing up, I think. Like, yeah, the entirety of it is mostly just growing up, getting older. Yeah. Yeah, you, you get kind of a, a bigger sense of perspective, I guess. Yeah, I think more so because like, you know, I think even this year was like the biggest change because um, I wasn't in school this year. I took a year off, so I, I wasn't on OSAP. And so all of the money I had was like my money that I worked for. And so it kind of cl- clicked in even harder that like I don't want to just waste my hard earned money. I wanted to actually go somewhere. Yeah, and that was like I think this year was like kind of like the biggest click for saving money and just being a little bit more responsible was that I was realizing that like, you know, I'm my source of income. So I got to be like a little bit more smart with things. Yeah. I mean, on that note, like, um, you know, despite the like coronavirus, forget about the the COVID-19 stuff right now. Um, but previously, you know, when you were working for the past couple months, mm-hmm. like what kind of ratio is your um like your salary to your rent yeah like Um, monthly i would say like you know 25 to 30 Mm percent and that's just mostly because you know one working in the service industry you know you could have days where tips are really good or days where tips aren't so good i also you know i have like average amount of hours that i would work a week but it's still like fluctuated a lot like you know, if we had events, then I'd probably be working a lot more because I'd be working events. If we didn't have an events and we were quite slow that week, no, then I probably wouldn't be working as much because I wouldn't be needed there as much. Yeah. So, but does, roughly, does that yeah. like variability? Um, does that variability like worry you sometimes, or is it not a big enough margin? To um, really... it does worry me a little bit, especially like uh. Uh, the cafe that I was currently working at was like very very small mm-hmm. whereas when I took the job you know I was kind of promised like a set salary and uh, amount of hours and then as the months kind of went on uh, the business wasn't doing so good so you know those hours just weren't there mm-hmm. so that was something that like worried me a little bit but it's nothing I haven't dealt with, like, you know, continuing to work in the service industry. Like, sometimes the hours are there, sometimes the hours are not. The good thing about it, though, is that, like, the tips make up for, you know, the lacking in hours. So, at the end, for me, it kind of, like, evened out a little bit. You know, even mm-hmm. if, like, let's say, you know, I worked eight hours less one week, then the tips still kind of, like, would put me at, like, ground zero, you know, and just... Right. I just saw it as like some weeks I'd be over when you know I had a lot of hours and I had a lot of tips it'd be like a plus whereas if you know the hours weren't there but the tips were still like okay it'd just be like me making the same amount as if I worked those extra eight hours. Do you find it hard to save that tip money because I've worked in the industry before where you know I, I was tipped and it was all in cash and I found that the yeah. fact that it was in cash made it just like go in and out instantly because I just didn't consider the cash that I had as like quote-unquote real money yeah it is really easy especially like uh the days when like the tips aren't that great I'm like okay this is only like you know $80 like this is like not that much money but um working at uh working at a bar some nights you know I'd have like 
at the end of my tip out, I'd probably have like $700, $800. And for that, it's a lot easier to save because it's just a larger sum of money. I don't look at it as something as just pocket money at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just depends on how much it is. But I definitely agree, like spending tip money, it would go quickly. But then if I would spend my tip money, then I tr- I try to make a point not to spend uh, my paycheck because I don't need to do both. Like one or the other should be enough. Mm-hmm. But I pretty much saved for our entire Europe trip with just tips. Yeah. Yeah. Took yeah. me like two months. And you and did, then, yeah. You did then, a really good job of saving because yeah. you knew we were going, and uh, yeah, and like that really motivated you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that like motivates you to save? Like, can you think of anything else that, uh, like an event or like just something, um, you know, maybe a hobby you want to sustain or whatever? I will agree. It's harder to want to save when there's nothing you're looking forward to. You know, like yeah. saving for the trip was really easy because like it was black and white. You know. I need money to be able to pay for this trip mm-hmm. or I can't go on this trip. So it was a lot easier to, whenever I got my tip out, I would, you know, set majority of it aside. And then like, I'll spend like, I'll take like maybe 15 to 20% for myself to do a little bit of spending. But now that I don't really have anything to look forward to other than just like life, um, it's a lot. <laughs> that's not much to look that's, forward that's, to. That's not much to just life. <laughs> But yeah, it's definitely um, a lot harder to, one, want to save and a lot harder to motivate myself. How did you, how did you set that money aside when you're like, um, you know, like you obviously had this goal in mind and, and you sort of set aside your tip money. Like, was there a specific sort of like mechanism that you had in place to save it mon- save that money? Or was it just like, uh, like a mental thing that you had? Like, okay, I'm not going to touch that. Well, I put it in a Ziploc bag. And then I hid it in my room, but I didn't really hide it because I always knew where it was, but it was just out of my I sight. Hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had no idea sight. where I, I remember. I remember even going to, uh, when we like were actually about to like pay for everything, I remember going to the bank and going to the teller and asking this guy to deposit this money into my account. And it was just like tons of fives and tens. And this guy just looked at me and I like, <laughs> I wanted to tell him I wasn't a drug dealer, but I'm like, maybe that'd make me even more suspicious. Yeah. But yeah, he just gave me a really weird look, which like, why do you have like $2,000 in fives and tens? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But still like that, that, you know, putting it in a Ziploc bag, like helped you. Like you, you like mentally put it aside. Like that was money that you did not touch. Yeah, I even had like a sticky note to tell myself like how much I put in the last time. And I'd kind of like want to either match it or go over it. And like, based on how many tips I got that week, so, you know, I think the first amount that I put in was 300 And so my goal for the next one was, like, I either want to match this or if it's an even better week, I want to, you know, maybe double it. And then I think I did. I think I put, like, six, 700 in that time. Mm-hmm. And then That's awesome. I think it took me not even two months. It took, like, a month and a half to save up the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, did, you did it really well, really quick. Which was, like, surprising because <laughs> I've never been able to, like, save money for something that well mm-hmm. so yeah i think i need to like go this on vacation is, a lot more this is exactly what the podcast is for so that yeah you know when you learn a lesson when someone learns a lesson they can come on here you know this is an invitation to anyone who wants to be on the podcast uh get in contact with us <laughs> at adrian.pacheco at gmail.com <laughs> yeah um, two ends you no know, this is the reason we do that is so you know 
maybe you have a mistake that you you want to come on and talk about um and what you learn from that mistake you know and this is you know we want everyone to learn yeah we and just have open too. conversations about like how you did what you did like going on your trip yeah. Noreen and Adrian like this is a pretty cool trip to you know Portugal to uh, Noreen you went to England afterwards like this is all yeah. a trip that you went on but you actually saved for it right like you didn't go on your line of credit to go like this is something that you actually kind of achieved on yeah, on the, both of your the money in real time to pay for yeah absolutely I think it's crazy I, I can't imagine myself going on a trip and being able to enjoy it when I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. I mean, I don't even think my credit card has like that big of a limit. I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't save the money. What do you think's, uh, what do you think's more motivating? Um, looking forward to a trip or just coming back from a trip and knowing you have to pay off this debt of like two or three K or whatever you spend. <laughs> oh, um, well, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm actually really bad, but, I think I can count on my hand how many times I've used my credit card, which mm-hmm. means I have really bad credit. But I've always, like, I started off with my credit card being really bad at money that I've just been so scared of, mm-hmm. you know, falling down that hole again and then landing in debt, you know, yeah. that I've been really scared to use it. Whereas, like, whenever, you know, I go to TD and stuff, they're like, you, you know, you need to use your credit card. And yeah. I'm like, I get that, but like, I'm really scared too. If yeah. you if you treat it like a debit card, like if you buy things and then you just regularly like monthly, you know, pay it off. Yeah. Or like Adrian was saying, um, him and I were talking about like how Adrian, you pay it off like the day after it's due to increase your credit score. Then yeah, then you have nothing to to be worried about. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean. I, I kind of think it's the way to go um, just because you want to start building your credit mm-hmm. and like whatever, if you want a car down the road and you do want to, you know, take out some, some credit. So, you know, yeah. whatever. Well, I think it's, you know what I mean? it also probably like goes down to, you know, my parents, like my mom will put stuff on her credit card. You know, she probably has great credit. She's always on time. But then mm-hmm. my dad, he doesn't pay for things with his credit card like he doesn't do contracts if he's gonna buy something he has the money up front and I've kind of like adopted that whereas my my older sister she's a lot more like my mom she uses her credit card and stuff like that where for me Mm -hmm. like if I'm not if I don't have the money immediately I'm not gonna buy something you know and that's like I don't know I think when I got my phone uh my dad bought me an iPhone and you know my mom was like oh you guys gonna go like Rogers or something he's like no, we're just going to go to Apple and just flat out buy the phone. And I was like, why would you do that when you can, you know, get a contract and stuff? And he was like, I, I don't like the ties. That they, my dad's very, like, I don't know the word. <laughs> he always thinks like someone's going to come after him or something like that. You know, yeah. he likes to just like give you the cold, hard cash and be done with it. You know, he doesn't like you uh, ties going back to him. So I think I've kind of adopted that a little bit from my dad. I'm, I'm very scared of people coming after me. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. all right um do you want to maybe close it out with uh with our recurring question adrian yeah yeah so our uh our final question is you know how would you spend one million dollars if you had it right now um i would probably 
pay off my student debt and probably <laughs> set money aside to finish off paying for school and maybe buy a car you know maybe mm-hmm. a house i don't know <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> does, that, does that equal to one million dollars i hope so i mean that's pretty close what are houses depends these on... days i mean i'm not gonna buy like <laughs> a million dollar house you know? <laughs> well, and yeah. you know i'm probably only gonna need like forty thousand for school so i have the rest of that yeah maybe i'll buy like a, a used honda civic for like ten thousand dollars or something you know then i have the rest for the house there you go nice. perfect <laughs> all right yeah i've always kind of like i i don't really like that question too much it's just so many things that you know you know that i i, I want to be able to pay for but then like when after like i've done all of that i don't know what else i would spend it on like there's nothing that i immediately like want as a luxury thing or necessity other than like you know but i'm not gonna spend you can't like... think of anything like i i want a boat uh, I, the, <laughs> my, my thing is a boat i i would really like a boat if i got a million dollars yeah i would do all that stuff you know um you know help out the family buy a house whatever but i, I i'm going for that boat i can't think of anything <laughs> like you know I mean, if you asked me this, like, when I was, you know, younger, you know, I would go on with tons of things. I'd want the new iPhone. But now I'm just, like, um, you know, despite other things, going through school, having that debt, I don't think there's a lot of – and maybe, like, future me is, like, you're a dumbass, so you should buy that boat. Um, I feel like I'm kind of in a place where there's nothing that, like, I think I immediately want or need that's going to cost a lot of money. You know, I think I can satisfy myself with, like, maybe, like, slightly more money than I have. That'd be really great. But I definitely don't want a million dollars. You don't want a million dollars? I don't want a million dollars. What if, okay, okay, let's just twist the question a little bit. Literally first, folks. (laughs) The first time in human history. (laughs) What if if you had to spend the money in a week? So, like, okay, you pay off your student loans, you buy the house, then you have, let's say, like, $300,000 left over, and you have to spend it in a week or else it's gone. What would you do with that money? I don't even know. Because, like, you know, if I had, like, you know, say you're giving me, like, $5,000, I'm going to go on a shopping spree, but you can't go on a shopping spree with $300,000. There's nothing that I would want that would, you know, amount to that amount of money. Yeah, Adrian's but... just thinking that's a nice boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know sometimes for fun i'll buy a lottery ticket and then you know i'll win like 10 bucks or something i'm like i've never seen you buy a lottery ticket (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're not with me all the time i did not know you 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 bought lottery tickets you know i'll do i'll do a little word search maybe get two five bucks and like that and even that just kind of like gets me excited i'm like oh i can go and buy another lottery ticket now you know yeah but yeah, I'm. I've never been one to. Well, recently, I don't like the idea of having tons of money. I feel like it change who I am, and I don't want that because I think you know I've kind of worked hard to, you know, be at this place, and I just I don't want money to change me. Hmm. I That's feel beautiful. like yeah, that's some wise words to end on right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. 
You heard it here first. She's not expecting one million dollars. Yeah, do you not give Noreen a million dollars. Adrian, you can e-transfer me, Adrian Dapacheco. Uh, <laughs> well, um, have your have your people get in contact with my people. All right, for the Young Money Podcast, um, we just want to say actually one one more word before we close out. I just want to say thank you. Uh, some people, like like a couple people, hit me up and said that they listened, and we really appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, um, we love you guys so much. <laughs> You're already here with the love. I've always found that really weird, and like artists I listen to are like, I "Love you guys so much." I'm like, "No, but we no, love don't. these people. We love these people, Marine." <laughs> I, I actually love these people. Yeah. So yeah, Adrian does um, for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, once you once you get to a like certain amount of fame, you start like it starts to jade you, right? But when like three people are listening to you talk, you feel good. You feel really good. So we're at a total of twelve downloads all time, and I mean, like once we reach fifteen, this might get to my head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for having me. It's actually a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for coming on. This is really cool. Super super helpful. Took a took a long time, but you know, the finish line is near. <laughs> All right. Well, signing off, episode two. Thanks for listening. Noreen, thank you for being our first guest. And uh yeah, I we we need to think of a catchphrase to sign off our, our episode, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see you then or we'll see you at another well, time. We'll see you another time. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>